Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I'm Ed Krasnick, your co-host. My co-host, Jennifer Kalari, is with us very shortly here. And we have a great guest today who I'm really excited to talk to. She's an actress, a writer, a producer, a comic, and she has one of the best podcast titles I've ever heard. It's called, How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? That's the title of the podcast. So I can't wait to talk about that because there's so much in there that I haven't experienced. And I'm, and I'm excited to do that. It is holiday time. And I want to tell you that, you know, it's Hanukkah time. Hanukkah, for me, the way my family used to celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of lights, there was only enough oil to last in the, in the lamp in the ancient temple for, for one day, yet it lasts for a total of eight days. That's the miracle of Hanukkah. In my family, we would find a minor irritation that most people could get over in one day and hold on to it for a total of eight days. <laughs> and that's how we celebrate Hanukkah. Okay, now you know. So I want to tell you that today's show is sponsored by New Hope on a Rope. It's a great holiday gift. It's like a wreath. It's a wreath-oriented uh, rope that is laced with CBD, eggnog, and kava. And what happens is you, you press it. There's a little button under the wreath, and it emits a mist a puff of this eggnog, CBD, and kava sort of mixture. It's like aromatherapy. And all of a sudden, you press this at any time when you're getting together with holiday and relatives, and there's a lot of emotional stuff lying around. Just a little puff of this, and it's beginning to look a lot like sanity everywhere you go in your home. How about that? It's a decorative necklace. It sends the purifying puff of sanity throughout your home. So, hope on a rope. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're experiencing over the holidays, we've experienced so much in the last couple of years. And now holidays give new meaning to emotional distress <laughs> and also connection, right? So it's it's a mixed uh, it's a mixed bag, but wherever you are, I hope you're I hope you're taking a second for yourself, taking a breath here and there unlike me right now. And realizing that it's all going to be over soon. <laughs> not really. Not really. No, I hope you're able to just notice all the crap and not get attached to it. How about that? Just notice it. Go by. Wave to it. Acknowledge it. And go on your way. You know, eat the pound cake if you have to. But realize that there's emotions under there sometimes. And you can just look at them. Sometimes. Not all the time. Or maybe you have to look at them later after the family goes away like I do. I want to bring in right now the ninja of the neocortex, the high priestess of the hippocampus, the daughter of dopamine, Jennifer Kalari. And Jennifer, holiday time is here. And I know you're, you have wonderful family and you guys are all very close. But you know what we need during the holidays is we need emotional superpowers, That's is what true. I think. Do you counsel people in your practice? Have you ever used those terms? And, and when you work with kids, do you, do you give them superpowers or do you make them aware of the superpowers they have? 
absolutely. I mean, the the calm technique that that deep listening love-based oxytocin technique that we've talked about a few times on the show that I tell parents that's their superpower. And it really is. I mean, it can bust a tantrum. It can shift the energy in the room. It can bring you to a very different place and really shift the direction when something's not going well. So that's definitely a superpower. And yeah, I talk to kids all the time about learning how to control your emotions. They're the driver of their Ferrari brain. <laughs> They're not their story. They're the storyteller, right? So they get to decide and they get to make choices and they have much more power in life than they think they do. So I love the idea of people feeling empowered. I think that's huge. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, again, I really, I'll say this again. I said it last week, but I really, I just love it. How you position your body, how you pose could have a lot to do with how you feel. If you're like me and you have the posture of a question mark, that's not good in any respect. So you got to stand up a little bit. And put your hands on your hips once in a while when you enter the kitchen and just look up. Just look up. Yeah, it's a pose. It's like, a, you know, you're doing a powerful pose, but it really does change your perspective. And these kinds of things, like in the moment, a lot of times people will get smaller when they get into conflict or they get around people that they're uncomfortable with. They get smaller. So just notice your, your body curling in and you can go the other way. You can stand up and you can have that. I mean, really, it's it's hysterical, but it's it actually works. You could be a professional wrestler or just a person trying to survive the holidays. It's okay. It works in both cases. Tell us a little bit about how to turn on your observer, how to turn on your observer when you're with family and you start to feel like you're overwhelmed. I don't want to I don't want to make it like everybody's overwhelmed by family, but it can be a time when it can also be the most amazing time, a time of connection. But you could really, you could really get into old patterns. Is the thing you can. What, what starts happening is you start running old programs, right? Old childhood programs, programs that you know ran, ran years ago with your siblings, with your parents. And sometimes we spend time before these dinners and these events that we're going to, sort of ruminating. And if she says this, I'm going to make sure I say that. And last year this happened, and I'm not going to let that happen again. And you're literally like transporting yourself. Um, into a situation where, where you're either reliving things all over again, or you're deciding how it's going to go. And the subconscious mind really just wants to please us. And if it thinks we're heading into somewhere dangerous, it's going to put us into fight or flight. It's going to run old programs to keep us safe. And we're going to have exactly the Thanksgiving dinner or the Hanukkah dinner or the Christmas dinner or whatever dinner we're having that we think we're going to have. And I, that's why I want people to understand we have much more control over that. You know, that we, we can just gently observe those programs running and we don't have to run them. You know, sometimes you ask yourself a question, what am I here for? I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to feel good. I'm here to relax. I'm here to be calm. I'm here to help other people. Why are you here? Why are you in this place right now, wherever you are, yep. whatever the physical location? And when the negative program runs, ask yourself a very simple question. Is it true? Does my sibling always do that? Does my mother-in-law always do that? It's usually not always. It's usually more like sometimes, right? And you have to be really careful of the language you're using. Is it even true, first of all? And then this is Byron Katie's work. And then how does it serve me to believe this? Think bigger, stretch back that lens and sort of think in a big picture. And then you and I talk about this all the time, Ed, like before the event actually happens, for a few days before, go to that event every night in your imagination. 
and literally hear the, the, you know, the plates clinking and the conversation and smell the food, make it as real as you can in your brain and rehearse that the whole thing goes really differently. And you have a really nice time and you get in the car at the end and go, wow, that wasn't at all what I expected it to be. And do that every night before you go and watch what happens. It will often go differently. What's right with this picture? We, we rehearse, we prepare for almost everything in life, except the way we feel and the way we think. Other than that, everything is prepared for, everything's taken care of. But it's these last two elements that actually determine the happiness of your life. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just trying to say uh, a little bit of energy, a little bit of focus spent on that, no matter what the skill, no matter what no matter what I'm trying to do, just close my eyes for a second. I am actually a person who feels a lot better when I close my eyes. I don't like the world when I open them. No, but I, but I feel something happens to me and I'm really able to adjust when I close my eyes for 10 seconds or 20 seconds. Now, I don't want to be driving. You know, it's a, it's a little way of uh, self-care and it's a little moment well, it's a way uh, to center yourself, right? And just go inward for a minute. Yeah. Relax. And, you know, something as simple as, you know, we're, we're always imagining how things are going to go. It's just, it's up to us whether we imagine if it's going to go well, or if it's going to go badly. And if we're imagining how badly it's going to go, which is how a lot of us enter certain situations, then our subconscious mind just wants to do what we think. And it'll, it'll honor those limiting beliefs. And before you know it, it'll happen. So I just want people to know that we have more power than we think based on what we think. And how we think and what we think about. Yeah. And you have to, you know, if you're not used to breathing, and I'm not, you know, some people aren't great conscious breathers, but today I was on a phone call. I was breathing really hard. And somebody on the line actually said, What's happening? And I said, Oh, I'm sorry. I had the microphone too close to my face, like I do now. But it's still better than not. You know, it's still a better option than not. And doing a little, but the exhale is kind of important. What? How do, how do you kind of catch your breath when you're uh, in a situation, Jennifer? Well, I mean, part of it is just being mindful. So many of us walk around all day breathing very quickly or, you know, taking very narrow, shallow breaths, ten, you know, tensing up our our shoulders, our neck muscles, our stomach muscles. And it just means sort of checking in with yourself and just say, how am I feeling? How am I breathing? What's happening in my body right now? Because some of us don't even pay attention. We don't stop to even think about it. And then when you notice, oh yeah, my stomach is really tight. My shoulders are all crunched up. Take a minute, close your eyes. Like you said, Ed, relax your tongue in the bottom of your teeth. Just let your tongue go soft on the bottom of your teeth, which is send a signal to your stomach to let go, to relax and take some deep breaths. And I like to start with a sigh breath, like just like the same breath as if, you know, you thought something not good was going to happen. It turned out fine. You'd be like, oh, you have to take a few breaths. And it actually sends a signal, a biochemical signal to the brain that danger has passed. I think that my relatives were doing that. I think that's where they got the oi from, and that's where they got the oi. Yeah. Oy. You would hear sounds from my grandparents that had to come from the old country. They were old world sounds. Um, and they would have it while they were, you know, and before they'd sit down or whatever. But I think that the, and that and the hand placed to the forehead, tell people what the hand placed to the forehead is. Yeah, this one's, these are such simple brain hacks, but if you just put the palm of your hand on your forehead, what happens is your, your body's bioelectric, first of all. And when you put your hand, your palm on your forehead, it's actually drawing blood from the, from back to the forebrain back to the midbrain, part, back to the part of the brain that can actually think and plan and concentrate and decide and make decisions. 
That's why everyone all over the world, when they're trying to concentrate, will put their hands on their forehead. Or when something happens, you go, and you put your hand on your forehead. It's your, you instinctively, the body, it's the body's intelligence. And it knows that it needs to bring the blood back to your forebrain, to your thinking part of your brain, to the part that is actually present and can make choices. It's amazing because culturally, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of ethnic groups use that just happens automatically. Last night, uh, they had a gathering for the menorah lighting and they had uh, this rabbi, he put his hands up and he had everybody in the crowd put their hands up. And then he talked about bringing the light in and sending the light out. But it was amazing. It was very powerful that people just put their hands up um, and it was uh, it was really cool. Well, I want to bring in our guest. She is an actress. She is a comedian. She's a writer and a producer. Films, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, lots of TV. But it is her podcast that I'm completely drawn to. And the title of the podcast is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I love it. Rebecca Lee is here. Rebecca, first of all, welcome to the show. And second of all, how the fuck did you get so confident? <laughs> Uh, hi. Thank you so much for having me. Am I coming through clearly? You're so clear. You're the clearest of any guest Ugh, that we've ever had. I love to be the best. So you um, You're the best. I'm, I'm glad that that's taken care of. Yeah, I have a podcast called How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? It's actually on hiatus. We've been on hiatus for a couple months because I wanted to actually take a step back and go, is the format of this serving my audience? Is this topic still serving me? Is this topic still serving my audience? Because I worked on it for a year and a half, almost two years, all about confidence. And I was wondering if I wanted to transition into something else. So Currently playing around with different topics before we come back to season two. So stand by on what that will be. Um, can yeah. I? Yeah. Can I just say, first of all, that's yeah. a great subject area and oh, something you. that's rarely talked about. It, you know, you hear about it. Uh, we've done a little work on it. But how did you get confidence? Yeah. And, and one of the things I wanted to say to you is the cool thing that you can do. And I'm just realizing this and it may it may change my the way, the way I'm dealing with podcasting is this idea of the limited series mm-hmm. where you get a topic and then you do 10 of them mm-hmm. and then you change the topic and you do a different one. You can do it under the same name. Exactly. So that is a cool thing because sometimes you do run out of or, or you have a different perspective or something yeah. else that you'd like to talk about. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Like as artists, we change and grow all the time. As people, we change and grow all the time. And Sometimes we want to rotate and talk about something else. So I'm not sure if I'll stick with confidence, but I've I've played around with maybe it'll still be how the fuck. So it'll be how the fuck did you? Um, <laughs> how the fuck did you in, series? Insert, yeah. insert whatever topic there. But I think I might do one about loss. Um, I feel like especially after these last two years, dealing with loss and struggling with that has been something that a lot of people have talked to me about. So I've I've been toying around with that, but we'll see. I don't know. The reason I thought of confidence was because I didn't have any. I felt like I didn't have any. Like as an actor in Los Angeles, I'm looking around, and as a comedian, I I do mostly improvised comedy. I look around and I see all these confident people, and I'm like, I don't get it. Why do I not feel it? But I'm watching you, and you seem confident. So I started to ask some of my friends who I thought were just very confident people. I started to ask them to grab coffee with me just to 
sort of pick their brains about like how they got to this state. This is before the podcast even existed. And then the more coffee talks I did, the more I was like, I think this might be useful for other people. So then I moved to the podcast platform and just started recording them. And then that's how the fuck, how the fuck came about. <laughs> well, it's a great, it's a great thing to do. And uh, uh, Jennifer, confidence, I don't think people talk about it a lot and they probably don't talk about it in therapy so much. I mean, they probably don't, don't act on it so much. Well, it's funny people, a lot of people misunderstand what it is. And Rebecca, you just said, you can look at other people and think, oh, they're, they're so confident. And they'll tell you, I'm not confident. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. And and people who are on stage and people who are comedians or public speakers often look incredibly confident, but often are not. And confidence is not something you just decide to have. You've got to be confident. Like it's something you just do. It's like a button you can turn on. It's a complex process and people are complicated and you can be confident in some areas and then not at all confident in other areas. And there's some very specific things that you can do to build your confidence and it can ebb and flow the same way your podcast can, Rebecca, like it, it can ebb and flow throughout life. You'll have moments where you feel more confident than others and it's all about growth and it's all about learning. Absolutely. And I mean, I've throughout doing all the episodes that I did, I discovered that like one of the main things is like confidence looks different in everybody. It's not this like, I don't know, this like robust, you know, not loud, but like a a, a big presence. It's, it doesn't have to be that. There can be a quiet confidence. There can oh, be... the exact opposite. Just exactly. Silence, you know, strong in who you are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was really cool to see what confidence... And I ask everybody um, at the top of the show, like, what does confidence mean to you? Because it also means different things to different people. Sure. So that sure. was very cool too, just, yeah. just interviewing. And I started doing, I began with like my friends who were all in the you know entertainment comedy specific area. And then I expanded and I started finding different people. Like I found this one wonderful woman, Clarissa, I found her on TikTok and she is a black female truck driver. And she was talking a lot about how there aren't many of her in that industry and how hard it is and you how you have to be confident. And I have a lot of guests who are the first of whatever they do. I interviewed another person who was the first black rodeo queen of Arkansas. And being, uh, being the first, there's no one to sort of look for for guidance. She was talking to me about like, oh, you know, I want to wear my hair a certain way, but but no one does. And I don't know who to ask. And I have no one to, to you know, a mentor to look up to. And it's just very interesting, this idea of like mentorship too and confidence and seeing people who look like you displayed in that area makes you feel like you're you're confident, right? And the more we can see ourselves reflected in the media we consume, the more underlying confidence I think we have. That's why, you know, representation is just so, so, so important. Yeah, it's very well said. You You, you have to choose, you know, what goes in. Like last night, like I watched Dope Sick, which is a very good show, very well written. And then I watched Succession yeah. and I wanted to kill myself. Basically, I, <laughs> you know, they're, they're great shows, but it's like there's only one Ted Lasso and everything else is like a lot of other stuff. Not a, I'm not trying to make such a broad statement, but there is a lot of true crime and there is a lot of conflict oriented uh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, and it takes up a lot of space and you have to be very conscious and very diligent. Not to say, you know, you can't watch Dope Sick, you can't watch Breaking Bad, you can watch Homeland, you can watch anything, but not all of the stuff has to be that way. Yeah, what what we consume is is so important and being um, mindful of what that is instead of being on autopilot too is 
something to be yeah. aware of. Yeah, that's what you take in. So I want to read this from your website because I think it's, I do think it's a great sort of mission <laughs> statement. I'm going to read, you know, and I'll just do this part of it. Okay, Rebecca's yeah, please. <laughs> looking to create projects that will act as a mirror on society, helping people to reflect themselves and the world we live in rather than hide from it. Yeah. Okay, that's a really good mission statement. <laughs> that that rivals Tom Cruise and uh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> It's a, it is a mission statement. Yeah. How does a person get to that? Where did that come out of? Oh, man. I don't know that you, I'm, I'm guessing maybe you didn't grow up that way, but maybe you did. That's a really, really good question. No, I did not grow up that way. I grew up in, I would call it a dysfunctional household. I didn't really have a male figure around um, a lot of the times. And when I did, it was a grandiose behavior and then an exit. And then I wouldn't see him for a while. So it was this like kind of abandonment wound that I've had to kind of work on over the years. As I've worked on it, I mean, I've been in therapy, let's see, once a week now for like seven years straight. <laughs> Good. Okay. So, so it's been something that I'm consciously working on, but I didn't grow up with it. But I've always been a very curious person in a very someone who always always wants to learn and grow. And I think being stagnant is actually something that I'm not good at. Um, being like at rest, which is something that I, I will work on as well. But I always like to grow and learn things. And in theater school, I went to theater school in New York. I went to a conservatory called Atlantic Acting School. It was there that you're really immersed in, well, one, your craft, but two, your emotions and what you've been through in life. And it's not like a method class. Like it's not like you're pulling from real things that have happened to you per se, but you are really, really in touch with your emotions. And it was from then on when I started doing plays that I was like, oh, I want to choose material and I want to make material that isn't just for me, but is for whoever's viewing it, is for the audience, is for society so that they can consume something that is important in a way that, in an easier to consume way, if that makes sense. So that's why I love comedy, because we can talk about deep issues, but we can layer it within laughs and giggles so that people can see it from a different point of view. And maybe that will help them understand the issue that's going on in the world or social justice movements or environmental issues, like all, all sorts of stuff. So that's sort of what I mean when I want to act as a mirror to reflect onto society what is happening in our world. I just saw that, and I'm going to butcher the name, uh, Don't Look Up or Look... Don't Look Up? Is that the movie with yeah. Leo? Is it called Don't Look Up? Yeah, I think it's called Don't Look Up. Yeah, and it's a really good representation. I don't think it's out to the public yet. Yeah, it's at the end of December, I think. Yeah, but it's yeah. a really good example of what I'm talking about where they use comedy as a way to talk about a greater issue that's happening in our world. And I think people will be able to digest a big issue better because it's done in a comedic way. That's the only reason I'm in this whole thing is, yeah. is I really, and I don't, I don't think there's anything more powerful than humor and emotion. When you put them together, that's the thing about the media and, and about a lot of the ways uh, things are packaged or constructed. They don't allow you to feel different things at the same time. There's one feeling. So either you're happy or sad or you're afraid or you're this. That's how most a lot of entertainment is. 
But it's when you have mixed feelings that you're truly alive. It's when you have different things that are going on. It's when you have the energy of, and that's why I think humor and emotion together, I don't think one or the other. I think that a mixture of both is fantastic and such a great way to teach any skill with, you know, with comedy is the best way. So let me ask you, you trained at UCB, mm-hmm. you've done other improv training. How do you apply comedy to the stuff that you do? Yeah, I've trained trained at a lot of places, which just goes hand in hand with the fact that I love to learn. I did a, like a two-year Meisner program. I trained at Atlantic in New York. I did like all of UCB. I performed at UCB. But the way that I incorporate, like how it's helped me I mean, it's helped me in so many ways. I think this sounds super lame, but I think do it. Everyone should like do an improv class once because it's just it's pretty raw and vulnerable. But you learn so much. Like everybody doesn't know what they're doing. Like at one point, everybody doesn't know what they're doing, and to feel comfortable on stage and know that you're around people who also feel the same way as you is kind of freeing in a way. But UCB specifically has really helped me in my work because. I'm freer. I'm able to make choices. Whereas I think before in my art, acting specifically and writing, I lacked a specific point of view sometimes, which is crucial to your characters, right? And doing improv, you kind of have to have a specific point of view to get laughs for it to work. And that's that's my favorite kind of improv to watch. So it definitely gave me the ability to have a point of view in terms of like industry stuff. If you're asking how it helped me in like life stuff, I'll never forget being on stage for the first time doing an improv show and not knowing what the next thing was going to be that came out of my mouth and being like, how the fuck am I going to do an entire show like this? Like, how am I going to do this? And I did it. And so I think doing stuff that you're scared to do and then you on the other side, you're like, oh, fuck, I did it. I okay, I could I'll do that again. Or if I could do this, maybe I could do this. So I think improv specifically has helped me kind of cultivate that sense of being able to do whatever I kind of put my mind to, which is cliche, maybe and trite, but it's the truth. Yeah. And I think that, Jennifer, the connection between anxiety and excitement. Yeah, they're very similar in the brain. Very similar. In fact, under an MRI, you can't really tell the difference. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're That's exactly the same emotion, just the context is different, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. I try to um, tell myself that too when I get anxious. I mean, things I get anxious about are like going on a plane, like plane rides, not my favorite thing to do. And I try to reframe it. And that's something that I've learned doing my podcast too, is reframing these thoughts. I reframe it as excitement. I reframe it as an adventure. It's not anxiety, it's an adventure. So the ability to reframe your thoughts, I think is is huge when overcoming anxiety and other other mental health issues. That's a huge skill. And it's a skill people don't know you can have, right? They think that emotions and things are happening to them but you're also happening to them. You can change that perspective. You can change, you can have that feeling in your body and talk to your body and say, okay, this is excitement. This is energy. This is like the energy that's building on a launch pad before something takes off. This is just momentum. I can use this. And it's a pretty big switch for the brain. Totally. I mean, role play, acting out, improvisation, yes, anding. Mm-hmm. Th- these are all these are all mental health skills. I mean, they really are. And anybody can do them. You don't have to be in a class. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to do anything. You just act it out. You just do it. Instead of having it be in your head, say it out, act it out. 
say to, to yourself, you can talk to your thoughts, you can talk to your feelings, you can talk to your family, and you can role play, you, and you can reverse roles. And if you really want to hear how somebody sounds, be them. If you really want to hear how you sound, be them, be yourself. This is like stuff that we feel we need special dispensation, special permission mm. to do. And you don't need any permission. What we say to ourselves, what I say to myself is so much crazier than if I talk to myself. It's so crazy. Yeah. And that's what goes on in the head like 24 hours a day. It's crazy. Well, and we're often so much meaner to ourselves than we would ever be to totally. anyone else. Totally. Right and speaking of reframing thoughts, I had a friend reframe something on an episode that just came to me that I think it was very cool. I was talking about how I love connecting with people. It's it's one of the reasons I think I'm on this planet right now is like to connect with people, but I don't always get to do that, especially during pandemic times when you're isolated. And she helped me reframe it as instead of, well, like, what am I going to, I can't connect with people. What do you get to do when you're not connecting with people? And I was like, I love that. Wow. oh, wow, I love that. What do I get to do when I'm not connecting with people? And you can replace connecting with people with whatever, right? Like if you don't get a job or you don't get a promotion, well, what do you get to do now that you, you didn't get that thing, whatever, but what do you get to do now? And I thought that was such a good reframe and it stuck with me. Well, not I have to, but I get to. I get to. It's, yeah. It's like kids doing homework. You know, I get I get to, you know, I get to take this test. You don't want to take a test. And you don't have to do the homework. But if you just say it by rote, even if you don't believe it, it just changes your whole, that's growth mindset, right? It just changes. I don't, I don't know it now, but I don't, I don't know it yet. Yeah. Yet. The yeah. word, the power of yet and the power of I get to. The Those words are great that we choose, the words that we use in our vocab vocabulary in our heads and to other people, even when we're telling our story. Mm -hmm. are really powerful. That just little reframe, you can feel the energy. You can feel the difference in your body. But what do I get to do when I can't connect to people? I get to connect with myself. Yeah. More reading. Or I get to no, you're, that's, exa that's exactly yeah. it. Um, I get to watch Breaking Bad. Yeah, over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I notice a trend in, in mental health and in sort of marketing. But there is this trend. And I think it's really interesting. It's profanity coupled with wisdom. And I think it's really interesting. I saw this uh, video of a guru who was using, you know, profanity. He was saying, fuck this, fuck that. But he was also being very wise at the same time. And there's some kind of release to language. I am not, like, I don't use a lot of it, but it has its power. Like, you know, to change perspective, I would say, this is a reframe. I'm a piece of shit. I'm at peace with shit. That's that. a reframe, yeah. you know, and, and it's a, what a lot of people feel. You know, it's what they say in their head. So anyway, I do think I think there's something really cool about that. What I'm going to ask you now, though, is how do you make you know, we have so we're so scared. It's so funny. So many people want diversity or say they want diversity, but we're so scared of it. What is the fee like what's going to happen? They think they're going to lose something. People think they're going to lose their jobs. They're going to lose their stature. They're going to lose something to someone else. Why is it that we can't, I mean, we have to be able to talk about this, but also there's got to be some humor in it, you know, like the way people qualify things now. I catch myself all the time. I'm not saying this and I'm not saying that and I'm not pointing at this and I'm not trying to, I don't want to offend anybody here and I don't want to, you know, pronouns, all of the, all people deserve respect, right? And, but it's just, why can't we talk about it? I think we can and we should. 
And I do think it's a fear-based thing. I think, I mean, Jennifer would have a more educated perspective on this, but like asking yourself why, right? And and you keep asking yourself why till you get to the root of the thing. So it's like, why not diversity? Because I'm scared of losing my job, but why? So like, what is at the root of the fear? Like fear of, of, of what? A belief in scarcity. Jennifer, talk about talk about scarcity mindset. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say it's scarcity. There, there's this false belief that there's only enough for a few people and you have to scramble and you have to get it. And that's very, very fear-based. Some of it is biologically programmed into our brains, like thousands, millions of years of you know floods and famine and bi- villages being pillaged. And some of it's just literally burnt into our DNA. Um, but that scarcity mindset is all, it, it infiltrates every part of our life, how we handle money, how we think about money, how we share with people or don't share with people, whether we're open in our hearts to to people of all different backgrounds or whether we're like, oh, slam the door, I'm scared. So part of it is just recognizing that it, it comes from this fear-based place. You know, the truth is people who are comfortable and happy, and we, we you know, we're talking about confidence at the beginning of the of the conversation. It's like confidence is something that comes from a place of love. When you're at peace, when you kind of love yourself, and I don't mean an I'm better than everyone else kind of way. That's not what I'm talking about. Like you're really, you really love yourself and you care about yourself and you respect yourself. Then you don't feel like you have, then you feel like you can share and you don't have to put people down and you're not coming from a place of scarcity and you can open your heart and you can open your home. And it sounds so corny, but it's honestly the truth. And as parents, we need to raise our children this way as well, because children are born this way. We educate it out of them, Mm. right? And I think it's it's a really important part, but we can't, I don't think we can be, like, I think the job of all of us right now is to just be better humans. It's not that complicated, Mm -hmm. right? Just be better humans. And it starts with being nicer to yourself as well. And and people who look confident, but really they're arrogant, they're also coming from a place of fear. Yeah. They have to show off. They have to prove they're good enough. They have to prove that they're worthy. And so many of us walk around with scarcity and this idea that we're not worthy. And if you're feeling primal and if you're feeling like you have to protect yourself, then there's no room in your heart to help anyone else. And that's the mess we're in. Yeah. Wow. That was very well articulated. Not Very well said. Yeah. But I think we need to be careful about who leads the conversation. I think that the person or the group of people who we are talking about that needs that's the group that needs to lead the conversation yep so i think i will not put myself as in the place where i'm telling the stories or i'm leading the groups about people of color because then we're just having another white chick mess shit up like yeah yeah and so like i think that that's the that's the difference when we're talking about diversity is like letting that group lead the conversation helping to lift that group up helping to facilitate that conversation, not like standing back and being like, you're on your own, but like, how can I help Mm -hmm. lift you up so that you can be at the forefront of this conversation? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And listening and listening. I don't understand things that I don't understand. So I have to listen. And it's non-defensively listening. The key is to really be non-defensive, to be really open to looking at things from a different perspective, to, to looking deep inward and being honest with yourself. And, and, and that's where it starts. Rebecca, tell them where they go to find out more about you. Where do oh, they sure. go? I do a 
lot of stuff on my Instagram page, which is just it's underscore Rebecca Lee and my website, Rebecca Lee Official. You can find that on the interwebs. My podcast is called How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? It's on all the (laughs) platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an LA local, I have a show every Monday night at eight o'clock at the Silver Lake Lounge. So if you're an LA local, come by and watch some comedy. Oh, that sounds great. I'm going to go to that. Please. Yeah, I'm going to come over for that. And I love Silver Silver Lake. I can't say it, but I love it. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Sure. Come again, please. If you want to learn more of the skills and the wide world of resilience exists at a place called ConnectedParenting.com. ConnectedParenting.com. That's Jennifer's world, her community. There's so much there. And I love self-parenting. I love the concept of self-parenting. So you can learn about family relationships, parenting, all kinds of relationships, but also self-parenting, the relationship that you have with yourself. And you notice how I said self-parent, like I'm, I'm a radio DJ now all of a sudden. Jennifer, thank you for all your help. And thank you. you. Know, great to have you as always. I'm saying that like, <laughs> again, I'm like a weatherman now for some reason. Thank you folks for listening. Take good care of yourselves and find us wherever you get your podcasts. Go to makelightmedia.com, makelightonewordmedia.com, or anywhere that you, uh, that you get podcasts. Write us a review. Send us a note. You can send anything you want to ed at makelightmedia.com. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.